Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, a special warning for your wallet, especially if you ever pass through the movie pass system, you got something you gotta know. And coming up yet later, big fuss going on about how much money it actually takes if you want to retire early. There's a controversy with that, and I'm going to demystify how much money I believe you really need that you can say, I'm bagging work today. And I have a quick update for you on a sizzling deal going on. Three times a year, Southwest Airlines does really outstanding zone fares. Right now, the one going on is $49, $79, $99, and $129 one way all around the country on Southwest. You have to buy it today or tomorrow. And travel is good late November until mid-February. No travel at all during pretty much the entire Christmas, New Year's holiday period. So this is a slow season sale for fall into early winter. Some of the deals to ski destinations are incredible. If you're a skier with very, very cheap fares available, there are partial matches from some of the full fares on the Southwest sale. But with this, I've seen pretty wide availability of the cheap seats. And this is a great opportunity, again, for travel late November till mid-February, no travel around Christmas, New Year's. So speaking of Christmas, New Year's, there's a huge number of stores this year that are not going to play the Christmas sales game on Thanksgiving. And there were a small number last year that announced fairly early that they were going to close on Thanksgiving and waited to see if they could stick by that to see what competitors did. Not that many did it, but some companies stayed with it. This year, a massive number of national chains are going to close on Thanksgiving Day. And I love that. I love that because, you know, in families with us scattered around the country, Thanksgiving is one of the few times people really get to spend time with their family, with their friends, and not having the lure of going out and shopping, I think, is a good thing. And that's said by somebody who historically, if the stores have been open, I've been out there on Thanksgiving looking for deals. So it's helping to discipline me that most of the stores are announcing they're going to be closed. And that's because the few shopping days of Black Friday weekend are not as key or important as they used to be. And the shopping period is spread out a whole lot more. If you heard me recently, I explained the patterns to shopping. I'm going to do that again for people who did not hear me talk about that. Sometime around Halloween, I'll give you an update on what the shopping cycles look like they're going to be this year for the best deals. But pay for seasonal workers this year is going to be the best it's been in a long, long time 
as people are struggling to find holiday workers, Amazon having real difficulty reducing their turnover, did something that was such a twofer. It helped them so much reputation-wise and will help them operationally is they're raising the minimum wage in Amazon warehouses to 15 an hour, where the turnover has just been horrendous for them. And it is just a sign of the difficulty of people in retail and online sales and the, the carriers having difficulty finding a sufficient pool of workers. So it means if you want to pick up extra money, be choosy, be picky, and don't wait till you really think you're going to want to pick up those hours. Go ahead now and pick up a part-time gig from one of these holiday uh, work opportunities. And if you don't like the place you've ended up, you don't like the culture, you don't like how they treat you, whatever it is, you still have time to land somewhere else to pick up those hours and pick up those dollars. And there's a lot of gimmicks going on by retailers to try to attract people with raffles and things like that. I hate the whole raffle thing. I despise it because they try to uh, fool you almost like a lottery. Yeah, you come here, you have a chance of winning $2,500. One person out of all the thousands that are working there, I'm much more interested in what they're going to do for me that's guaranteed and what benefits they're going to offer to me that I know I'm going to get. Some retailers are specifically targeting special discounts for people who come to work for them. They will have times that they can shop at half price or 30% off or whatever. I mean, show me the money. Show me what you're really going to do for me that would attract me to come spend my holiday season working extra hours to pay for my Christmas working at your place so then I have the money to go shop for the Christmas lift list I've got. Bill is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Great. How are you today? Wonderful, Bill. Uh, you got a question for me about this impossible task we're asked to do when we're online. Remember our username and passwords. Yeah. I've got a lot of them, and I was wondering if there is a an online or an offline app, uh, you know, app that I can download and keep them securely. So the most well-known and recognized and considered to be a much better alternative than you and I trying to create and remember a million different odd usernames and passwords are Dashlane and LastPass. They dominate the market and... Uh, they work on freemium business models where generally you're going to end up paying in order to have them be your password manager. What was the name of the second one? LastPass, L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S. Excellent. Have you looked at, uh, at Dashlane already since you didn't ask me the name of that one? No, I, I, just, I heard exactly what you said there. I just wasn't sure exactly what the second one was. That's because my diction is so poor. You know, I was a terrible <laughs> not, student not at all, in school. Not at all. So using these things is, uh, is something that a lot of people who are in data security recommend is we're still going, no question, we're going to move away from usernames and passwords. We're going to go to alternative technologies to recognize who you are. 
But for now, we're at this way station of usernames and passwords. And if you did not want to go to the expense of Dashlane or LastPass, an alternative that data security people recommend is extremely long phrases. Right. And that, that instead of doing all this stuff they had us do for a while with uppercase, lowercase, numbers, symbols, alpha, all that, <laughs> that none of that prevents the crooks, that going to a very long, usually weird phrase that makes no sense, but it's something that you'll remember, is considered to be the best alternative to using one of the password managers. Right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Best to you. My wife uses the most sophisticated system that she dreamt up for usernames and passwords. And it's one of those things, it's so brilliant what she came up with that I'd love to share it with you. But if I did, it wouldn't work for anybody. But if you can come up with something that's very, very clever and long that you'll remember the pattern that you've established, then you will have much better security. Joel, you, you look like you're about to say something. No, I was just going to, you want to take a couple Ask Clarks? Sure. Okay. All right. So uh, Dana wrote in, Clark, she said, my daughter signed up at creditreport.com. She made an account there. When she went into her account the day after signing up, she was sent a message saying that she would need to pay a $1 fee to find out her FICO score. We thought that this site was free. Why that charge? Well, creditreport.com is not the, uh, the federally sanctioned approved website. That is just uh, uh, one of the many websites out there that make credit reports available credit scores available and all the rest. The federal site is annualcreditreport.com. And there, once each year, you're allowed to get your credit report for free. But even there, if you want your score, you have to pay. The good news is that all the major credit card issuers now, I can't think of an exception, make your credit score available to you for free, your actual FICO score, whenever you'd like, simply by signing into your account on their website or on their phone app. Also, you have access to Credit Karma and Credit Sesame that make an approximation of your credit score available to you at any time for free. All right, Clark and Shiva wrote in wanting to know, do you have any advice on day trading? I hate it. That's not really advice, is it? (laughs) So the thing is, day trading goes through phases where it's in and then it's out and then it's in and then it's out. I guess it first became a thing in the last century and has had its moments of glory. But day trading is something that is as opposite how I believe that you make money as an investor as you could be. I believe in Dullesville that you have your money well diversified through funds that hold uh, hundreds or thousands of stocks and also bonds, which is where you're kind of like the bank lending people money, and that you put money in on a regular schedule, every pay period, every month, and you just build financial security over time. Day trading is about trading on momentum or systems, many times referred to as red light, green light systems, where you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out of stocks, over and over again, individual stocks. And that, to me, is equivalent to gambling. If I was into gambling, which I'm not, 
I'd much rather go to Vegas, taking the lights, the action, the shows, and the casinos, rather than sitting at some terminal staring at a screen, buying and selling and buying and selling, gambling in stocks. All right, Clark and Reg wrote in, he says, do you still recommend buying used if the vehicle that we need is a minivan? I've been searching for used minivans, but I've narrowed it down to two brands based on reliability, and it's usually only a one to $2,000 difference between two to three-year-old used minivan versus a new one. Yeah, minivans are a unique segment of the car market. First of all, you show you're a very secure individual. There are so many people who will not be caught dead in a minivan. In fact, if they get in a hotel shuttle minivan, they cover their faces or put on sunglasses and nobody will have seen them in a minivan. I don't get it. I'm proud to be a minivan driver, have been for 25 years. They're practical. They hold enormous numbers of people, enormous numbers of stuff, but a lot of people think they're uncool. But people who are into minivans drive them and drive them and drive them off until the wheels fall off. They are not an impulse buy. They are not a style buy. So you don't see a lot of inventory come into the used marketplace. And you usually, with a minivan, if you want to buy one used, you have to go much older and with more miles on the odometer before a used becomes a deal, usually at five or six years of age instead of three years of age. Again, because a minivan is not a fashion statement. (laughs) It's far from a fashion statement. So that's why it doesn't have a cycle like every other vehicle on the market, typically, that three years in, people tire and they end up available at a big discount versus new. And so with a minivan, if you're like most minivan buyers, you're going to keep it an ultra-long time You either buy new or you buy one that's heavily depreciated once it's had a lot of miles and five or six years of life on it. I'm trying to remember when there has ever been a company that has been as disruptive in a good and bad way in such an extremely short period of time as MoviePass. MoviePass gave the movie theater industry the best year it's had perhaps in the last 20 is people rediscovered going to the theater because of MoviePass. MoviePass has crashed and burned and is still hanging on by a thread. But now, if you were someone who benefited from MoviePass but you dumped it, you have a reason to potentially be extremely upset about what I'm going to say in today's Clark Rageous Moment. Spams. Rip-offs. It's a Clark Regis moment. Movie Pass, in desperation to have some money come in, is automatically re enrolling its ex customers without asking you. In fact, what they are doing is they are sending out emails to people that I'm sure a lot of people think is just marketing stuff. They're sending out an email that says, if you don't opt out, they're going to go ahead and re-enroll you and automatically charge you again for MoviePass. Now, that is unbelievable. It speaks to the desperation MoviePass has to get money, but it's almost certainly not 
uh, proper or legal activity, but even if it was something that was legal, it's in no way ethical. And you should know that if you were a MoviePass subscriber, pay very close attention to an email that may have even gone in your spam of your email. Look for one that would have come in the last 48 hours. And in it, there will be something you have to click on in order to opt out. Otherwise, they're going to go ahead and start charging you again. It is completely outrageous. And if one thing, if MoviePass did any one good thing, it did help a lot of people discover or rediscover a love for movies. I have alternatives to MoviePass listed for you at Clark.com. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Why do you want to keep more of what you make? So you have options in your life. So you have choices so that you build in some freedom into your life to make the decisions you want to make. You don't want to be one of the people who I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And that's why I talk so much about the importance on living on less than what you make, on saving money each and every month, each and every pay period. We in the United States culturally are terrible at that. The average American saves around three cents of each dollar he or she makes. And if you've listened to me for a long time, you know that that compares uh, poorly to a lot of other countries in the world where it's routine that people save 30% of what they make. But there is a counter movement in the United States of people who I think heavily influenced by what they saw happen to so many people getting crushed last decade by the Great Recession that people have become fierce about living on less than what they make. Certainly not everybody, but it's even got a name, the FIRE movement. And it's about being financially independent so you can retire early. But not necessarily retire early. It's really about the first two letters, financial independence, where you then have the choice of what you want to do with your life. Now, people that are big into the FIRE movement are also big into austerity. Sometimes too extreme with austerity, but it's what works for them. And I'm a big fan of what used to be called max savers. Those are people who live on half of what they make. And a lot of people that are with this modern fire movement are in many ways echoing what was part of the max saving movement of a different era. And there was a a podcast with someone I've been on her podcast before, Paula Pant. There was a podcast that she had she had Susie Orman as a guest and asked Susie Orman what she thought of the fire movement, expecting Susie Orman to say, It's wonderful, this is great, people are saving so much money. Instead, she said, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And I heard about this and I was like, what? What's there to hate about people living on less than what they make? And she went on to talk about the fact that the amount of money that fire movement people 
had his goals to save to live an independent life were ridiculous dollars that people really need to have uh, 20, 30, 50, or $100 million. Be like me, okay? <laughs> Susie, come on, you're a little out of touch there. <laughs> people don't need $20 million, or like you, $100 million, if that's what you have, to live an independent life and be comfortable. It's all about the lifestyle that you become comfortable with. So the key is a ratio, is a formula. And it's pretty simple. You save money to the point that you've saved 25 times the amount of money that it costs you to live in one year. And once you hit that target, whether it's in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or never, that's when you know you have enough money built up for the lifestyle you've grown accustomed to that you can afford to live indefinitely on the money you've saved. And it I know that's an oversimplification, but it really is that simple. Uh, Susie went on to say to Paula that you need at least five or six million, really you might need $10 million to retire securely. And respectfully, I strongly disagree with what Susie said. There are people who easily can get by for the rest of their lives when they hit the point they've saved a million dollars. It means they're living not a a bare-bones lifestyle, but they're living a more careful, frugal lifestyle because what you want is you want enough money saved that you have invested that you can throw off enough cash to live on each year and at the same time have the pile, the stash you built up, have enough in it that you can earn enough on it in years following to cover the cost of inflation. But let's go to a core principle. If somebody is a max saver, or today a proponent of the FIRE movement, and they save like a maniac, and they get to a point, let's say in their mid-30s, that they've saved enough money that they've created real financial security, it doesn't mean they don't ever work again. It means they only do what they enjoy. You know, I retired at 31. And here I am working now, talking to you at 63. And since I was 31, I've only worked when I've wanted to and doing what I've enjoyed because I had that financial security when I was 31. So don't let somebody tell you, oh, you're never going to be able to retire until you have $20 million. (laughs) Oh, boy. Anyway, know that you have to have a goal, you have to have a target, you have to be realistic about it, and you have to live your life in a way that you will accomplish that. You know, one of the things when uh, years ago, my book, Living Large and Lean Times, came out, and then the companion book that came out later, Living Large for the Long Haul, is I learned so much from people who had adjusted their lives to live a more frugal life and to be in a position where they weren't living on borrowed money, where they were always saving money. And I was inspired by so many people and so many stories 
of people that I talked to who did change the direction of their lives and how they were living and created that independence and freedom in their lives. So don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. It's up to you if it's important to you. And it's just got to be something that you don't say. You actually do. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Good afternoon, Clark. How are you doing? Couldn't be better. Thank you. So, John, you got a question for me about your kids. How old are your kids? I've got three, uh, 16, 16, and 17. Did you say 16, 16, and 17? I did. That's a lot of kids all lumped together at once. Man. Adopted from uh, South Korea and oh. ended up uh, pregnant with uh, in vitro twins, boy, girl. So you're wow. right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Empty nest to three kids and a blink. A blink. Wow. All right. Well, how can yeah. I be of help to you? Because that's a lot for you to deal with. It is. But thank you for your service. Been listening for years and I love your program and what you you. do for the community. Uh, Three children um, moving from a homeschooling environment to uh, an an elevated homeschooling uh, environment where they're now needing access uh, to mobile laptops. I know you're a huge fan of the Chromebook. Uh, Done some research. I've read great things about them. I just don't know how well they will perform and if they're designed for um, a, a more traditional setting where I'm going to be using Excel, PowerPoint, spreadsheets, things of that nature. So, uh, I'm understanding so that, that a, you have to be uh, to connected to the Internet on the Chromebook, and yeah. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Right. So schools have been adopting the Chromebook as their computer of choice in massive numbers, and the Chromebook now completely dominates the educational environment. There are still, uh, particularly in the private school environment, where they're using MacBooks. But overall, the Chromebook dominates, not totally, but gosh, it's moving that direction. And Google has a suite of programs that are similar, many of them in nature, to the Microsoft suite you were referring to. And... For the educational environment, those are generally free, and they can be used not just on a Chromebook at home. They can be used on any computer anywhere, even if it's not a Chromebook. So that's why the schools have been adopting it. They don't have to uh, have uh, an IT department or anything like that since everything on them is web-based. And you're right that to make a Chromebook useful, you have to have an internet connection for most everything you would do on it. So it, w- it would be a good question for you to ask going from a homeschool environment to one that is uh, more in a traditional classroom to find out if the school they're going to be attending is a Chromebook school. Okay, that's a perfect point, Clark, uh, to follow that quick like. Um Tell me about the Chromebook's ability to function in a disconnected state, meaning standalone or not having uh, access uh, to the Internet. Yes. Okay. They used to be a complete doorstop that if you didn't have Internet, it was basically a worthless piece of furniture taking up space when it didn't have Internet connection. Now there are 
a handful of functions you can do offline that then once you go online, they, the items are then stored in the cloud. And that's why a number of Chromebooks now have more storage on them. But if someone has intermittent or rare internet access, a Chromebook is not going to make you particularly happy. Okay. All right. Well, Clark, thank you for the advice. And uh, the good news with Windows computers is they've suffered so much by comparison to the Chromebooks that Windows computers that are nicely featured are widely available at $150 and up now, which is a big change from where Windows pricing used to be. Gary's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gary. Hello there, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Gary. You've, well, you've got a I've good story. I've heard you for a long time, and I've, I'm a renter, and I've always heard you talk about the value of being a renter, and you've always seemed to talk about uh, you know, the, possessions, the possessions you own being covered. But I wanted to, to let you know that uh, I live uh, on the coast of South Carolina, and the, uh, over the last couple of years, we've had to uh, evacuate a couple of times. And being a renter, I've had all my uh, expenses covered uh, when I uh, evacuate. And it's because the, uh, uh, the rental companies do that for you, the insurance companies. So the renter's insurance policy you have covers with a situation where you're in a forced evacuation and pays for temporary substitute housing for you. Yes, and, and the easiest part of it was I called and said I'd like to place a claim, and the, uh, the company I used said, well, we know uh, it was a major uh, evacuation, and we know that the governor uh, had uh, called it, so we have a program, and we'll tell you how much money we're going to give you without you filing any uh, receipts. And if that's convenient and, and, you know, I can put it in your account this afternoon. And actually, the money they gave me for myself and two other people that were with me exceeded what my uh, receipts were. Wow. And how much and, is your renter's uh, I pay insurance? about $250 a year for my insurance on a three-bedroom, uh, three-bath home. And uh, I, the first time around, uh, she gave me $1,900. The second time when Irma came, I did the same thing. And I was only gone for about four days, and uh, I was re- reimbursed about $900. So it sounds to me like this insurer is crazy to be providing you renter's insurance, aren't they? Well, I, I don't know, but I'm I'm out of pocket about five hundred dollars, and I've collected over twenty seven hundred in you know in you know in, in checks from them. Well, I appreciate nobody ever calls to tell me when things work out beautifully with something, and roughly two in three people that are renters have no renters insurance. It's very inexpensive. You said yours was two fifty a year for a three bedroom. Policies can be less or more depending on the circumstance and where you buy it. But this is a perfect example of a reason to have it, Gary, that I never really address, and that is relocation assistance or temporary assistance in a disaster. And I'm so glad that, first, that you're okay, and that, second, the insurance took care of you. 
Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Yeah. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. Jim, how can I be of service to you with your wallet today? Yeah. So, Clark, what I'm thinking about are on the topic of these online savings accounts. I've been listening to you talk about them for the last couple of months, and I finally feel confident in finding a, a good account somewhere that's FDIC insured. My question I got for you on this topic, I guess it's kind of a two-part deal. Um, obviously, the Federal Reserve has raised the overnight funds rates with uh, big banks and that kind of thing. How do you identify a good online savings account that is just not paying the, the, you know, you look at these websites and the rankings and what they're paying for interest rates. How do you pick one that's always on the upper tier, just not one that pays a really high interest rate for a few months and then backs it down to attract new customers? That is a great question. And as a general rule, if you've seen them advertised for a number of years, they're not just popping up a really great rate to capture deposits and then reducing it to a very low rate. I mean, all the big online banks have specific reasons that they are offering the accounts. Like, you know why Capital One does it? You know, they're like 1.9 or one something like that sure. percent. You know why they do it? And they need money to lend out on credit cards. Exactly. And it's much cheaper for them to offer what's a good deal on savings than elsewhere. Marcus, which is Goldman Sachs, it's much cheaper for them to raise funds for something they're doing elsewhere with an online account than if they go to the markets to get money. So for all these outfits, American Express, same reason as Capital One, Synchrony, another credit card issuer, Barclays, another credit card issuer. So the biggest players in this are doing it to raise funds for other lending purposes. And so they're not going to today pay you 2%, gather a lot of deposits, and then suddenly cut it to one-tenth of 1%. That's not the business they're in. They want people to want to feel comfortable lending them money, which is what you're doing when you have an online savings account with someone. You're the lender lending to the bank instead of the other way around, and that's why you can feel confident and comfortable with any of the big online banks that they're going to offer good rates today, tomorrow, and for as far in the future as you can see. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bosnetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com. Thanks to Sally McDonald and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff. And their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227. And this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.